0: Hi Slip Angle listeners, this is Rob from Fields Autoworks and Fields Engineering. We're really excited to be supporting great content on Slip Angle, and we hope you'll find your way over to our social media pages to see some of the exciting work that we're doing. Fields Autoworks has Cardinal Coupes being delivered, and Scioto Coupes in build for testing this summer, with more exciting models on the near horizon. If you're ready for supercar performance for under $70,000, or professional prototype speed for under $150,000, Stop by fieldsautoworks.com to see what we offer. At Fields Engineering, we have openings for major builds, arrive and drive customers, and medium to large engineering projects. We have capabilities ranging from whole composite body scratch builds to 3D scanning and printing to trackside support. We're also thrilled to be supporting regular guy racing with Colton Wade driving in GLTC and the exciting new Future Frontrunners initiative to promote women in club racing. As a Fields customer, you get the combined experience of IndyCar builders, IMSA veterans, aerospace engineers, and lifetime racers working on your next big endeavor. If that sounds like a team you're interested in working with every day, you can also contact us about our open shop positions. Find Fields Auto Works on social media and at FieldsAutoworks.com, and find Fields Engineering on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening!
1: slip angle show.
2: Hi, my face is red because it was sunny today.
1: I I have an office job so I I went outside to my car and that was enough.
2: Today was a day that I think in 25 years of doing construction, 20 years full time, I've never been so hot in my entire life. I was on the (laughs) south side of this house it was a hundred degrees, like ninety six, and like hundred percent humidity, and it was sunny. There were no clouds, and there was no air movement on the back of this house. And I got—I felt like I, I feel like I've been cooked. I feel like my <laughs> like my skin is bad. Like my <laughs> skin hurts. <laughs> it's crispy, like, like if it were in the oven. And, and like I'm hiding from the sun. I'm wearing like long sleeves. I like got a hat on and stuff. And there was there was no hiding. It's like I was on the job site till three p.m. Got there at. 8.15, and that was enough. I went home, got home by like 3.45, and like, I felt like a zombie for like three hours.
1: <laughs> it was bad, dude. Speaking of insane temperatures, um, we got Audubon Country Club coming up, hey, and uh, well, history,
2: our history our tells
1: fingers. us that it's going to be a hot one.
2: It usually is. Um, last week here, it was like 55, though. Like, Al Gore can't make up his mind, dude.
1: So no. I'm looking at my ten day in Louisville, and uh, today was 97. Tomorrow 96. Thursday 96. Nice for the weekend, uh, 82 and 85. Then nice. back to hot during the week. 95, 101, 195.
2: Boo, that sucks.
1: And like we know that Joliet doesn't have any, or at Autobahn and Joliet doesn't have any trees. So it's, um, it's going to be hot. There's that
2: one, but it's out on the racetrack.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, it's hard to get to for shade.
2: Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's always a hot one. Uh, or it's a tornado. Or both. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be a solo dad because my wife's going to be in Thailand visiting her brother. And so I think I'm going to be there most of the time. Emma has a birthday party on Saturday night that she can't miss because it's like a best friend. Um, so I might have to take her to the birthday party Saturday afternoon or like one of the grandparents might come get her out. So, so, yeah. um, but Emma will probably be there sleeping in the camper with me. Uh, so that might be fun. Cool. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how the vibes are. She's been talking about how she wants to do that. She's never been overnight at the racetrack with just me. She was at Blackhawk a couple years ago, but she was pretty little back then. Um, she came to what she come to? She came to the Putnam day that we did the winning Yeah, I remember day.
1: you saying that uh We had she, a great time. She was a chatterbox the whole way home.
2: And then um because I'm a poor father, I fed her like everything that she wanted to eat. And guess what happened at about eleven forty five PM? She threw up. Dead asleep, bar fell over her bed. <laughs> 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 and it smelled like gummy bears.
1: <laughs> oh bummer.
2: Um but yeah, that, that was fun. And she came up to, um, the, uh, the Mikey track day Wang fest, the Mikey memorial or not memorial, uh, uh <laughs> the Mikey benefit day, uh, that we did, uh, Mikey still with us, thankfully. Um, and she had a good time. She hung out with, uh, uh Calzada from K power, uh, hung out with his, uh, he's got a kid who's like three months younger than her. They pretended that the big trailer was an airplane the whole day. So that's, that's cool. awesome. And then they've laid in the back of the fit and watched YouTube and all kinds of played PBS games, all the things that seven year olds do. So anyway, so she'll probably be with me. Um, so I'll pretty heavily distracted, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, I um, I I think I said on the last show that I'm selling my bus. I don't remember if I said that to the patrons or if I said that to the the general show, but I'm selling my bus. But I haven't yet put it on RV Trader because uh, on Sunday I'm leaving um, home for like ten days. That's why you got a big work trip. I'm like uh, Autobahn, uh, excuse me, Autobahn. Like splits the work trip on the front end. I'm going to be in New Hampshire for a week, and then on the back end, I'm going to be in Houston. And um, I don't want to put it on Auto Trader because I don't want to like tell people that I can't show it to them. If there are people who are interested,
2: our RVs are one of those things where it's like, we need a new RV right now, honey. And it's a retired person. <laughs> yep. Or the retired person has nothing else going on. Yep. So you better be available.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and like, uh, the, the first person who looked at it, uh, wanted to see it the next day. And right. so it was the day after we got back from Gingerman. and right. like, yeah, I I want to be available for that, but uh it was I'm just like, well, I'm not going to like put any effort into putting this post up or this ad up because I'm not going to be available to to have people look at it. And the yeah. same is true cuz I think um I think I'm going to sell I think I'm going to sell everything. I think you should keep something. Uh I think I I really feel like I want to sell everything right now. And the
2: benefits are the best all-around car ever, and I know you want to buy a Chevy Volt
1: or uh or I did look at Clarities today.
2: Those are okay. What's the range like on a Honda Clarity?
1: Forty-two. My,
2: what's your commute?
1: Uh, like forty-four.
2: Okay, so not perfect for you.
1: Not perfect,
2: but my brother-in-law has one, and it is a dang nice car. That's well, why it's I told like an that.
1: Accord with a big battery, right?
2: Yeah, it's basically a car that nobody knows exists, and yeah, it's a like it's a freaking nice car.
1: So I don't know. We we could keep the streak of Hondas alive with um uh, clarity, but I I complain about this. I I only have I I'm done, I know that I'm going to sound like an asshole. I only have a two-car garage and having more than two cars means that if you want to drive whatever the third car is, you like shuttle cars around. And so mm-hmm. like what am I going to what's going to park where? Right? Like okay, I have Let's say I keep the Fit, and uh, then it parks in the garage, and the electric thing parks outside. Well, that doesn't make sense. Um, the The Fit parks outside. Okay. Well, then I have to move it to take the electric car to work every day. That doesn't make sense. Uh, I yep. kick Ashley out of the garage and make her park outside. Well, that seems rude. So mm, like, well, that's gonna happen. It, it just like well, you just need one car, whatever it is.
2: Yeah, maybe. I could see like. Yeah. Right now, right now you're not really in the desire to have a track car world. Um, and I could totally see myself being in that world, but like every time I do get behind the wheel of one of my ship boxes, I do. have pretty good time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, but both, and I, I don't always take them up on it, but both Matt Williams and, uh, James Morgan have said that the keys are in the car. If you want to drive, go drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the very least I could throw them some money uh, to to chip in on some tires but like other than that like I can drive if I want to
2: well I mean hell if uh if I'm at an event and my fit didn't make it you could always go to Chicago first and grab mine too I don't care
1: yeah <laughs> so. so I don't know um the and I, I'm not really like I think everybody's feeling the pain on the uh, the, the pump but like I don't know. I just it's it's a when I think about buying gasoline, I don't want to buy an electric vehicle to save the planet. Uh, what I want to do is buy an electric vehicle because I don't like buying gasoline. The process of buying gasoline, I do not enjoy. I can see that. And see that. Uh, if you make it like fifty dollars to fill up your Honda Fit, you find yourself just saying, "Well, this this sucks."
2: It does suck. Yeah, I spent like forty two dollars the other day. I thought, well, the, that's weird. <laughs> is, this, is this correct?
1: I usually, I like you buy nine gallons in the fit. If it's on E,
2: right. Right.
1: Like extra uh,
2: E on the way back from Midwest festival, which Gingerman's only hour and 45 hour 55 for me. Not very far. Right. Um, I stopped at the, it's one of the Burns Harbor exits or whatever. It's got a shell station that I know I can fit in and I know the pump works well for my bus. So I always go there. Right. And it's always cheaper than the pilot across the street by a few cents. And I spent 150 bucks. Guess how many gallons I got. Uh, Felt like about, felt like about none when I looked at
1: the needle on my bus. uh, What, like 25, 22 and a half. So, uh, did I tell you how much it was to drive the bus to Gingerman and back? I
2: bet you it was 450
1: It was 750
2: Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. That's so stupid.
1: It doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't want to do that.
2: No, that's too much. It should be 250 bucks because everybody can be like, oh, I got 250 bucks."
1: It yeah, but like 750 bucks is a lot of money. You mm-hmm. try and do that 10, 10 times a year and you're like, well, shit. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money so uh, yep.
2: no I get it and and the is I mean you can you bought a bus that's a big project like my bus is kind of like it's a good running pickup truck that's got a bed
1: well I'll really be honest like I, I know I talked about this on the patreon show but like uh right now it's running pretty good like real good I would drive pretty it bad. to California and back if it weren't four thousand dollars
2: I would uh I would totally buy it if I had the buck um but it's also like it's a lot of bus too like and you can't, it's it's not super close to you. You don't have all the tools. You don't, you know, you got it dialed. I, I don't know how you did all those things, too. Like, you, you paid somebody to do those things, but that's a big old thing to get done. You did a ton of stuff.
1: I did a lot of things, uh, yeah.
2: And, uh, yeah, it's a much better bus than when you bought it. For sure. But but right now it's not the funnest time to own a bus. So.
1: No, I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, given given like Ashley's work schedule and uh, the fact that, you know, I sometimes can't take the dogs with me or something. If Ashley ends up driving in the van with Sloan up to an event uh, and I take the bus separately, it is not mm-hmm. more convenient.
2: No, not at all. And you've slept in my bus two or three times already this year,
1: which gives me uh, 2017 vibes.
2: Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, you know, it's a lot of these events are. You know, we're, if we're doing a bunch of events, you just got to drive a car down. That might make a lot of sense. So, yeah, yeah. Hotels aren't that expensive. Airbnbs aren't that expensive. Rental trailers aren't that expensive if the whole family comes and you want to have that stay at the track vibe.
1: Yeah, so, yeah.
2: Um, yeah. It's 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 all totally doable. Just got to find the best the best thing to do it with. So
1: yeah. And I, uh, I mean, I, I I still love that like, Sloan knows people at the track and like is going to grow up at the track. I think it's cool and it's a unique life experience and we're going to keep doing it. It's just got to find the right fit, you know?
2: Yeah. should have kept that cheap old crappy V10. No, that
1: wouldn't have worked either. Like it it wouldn't work well because (laughs) there were sharp edges on everything. And obviously Sloane would have fallen and hurt herself. Oh, that's
2: right. That's why he sold it. But.
1: It's just like it was just too narrow and you put right. the dogs in there and now you're climbing over dogs and kids. It's just like, "Ah, eh, that doesn't work."
2: Yeah, that wasn't the that was an old school layout for
1: sure. Yeah. And like so Ashley went into Matt Williams' RV uh at Gingerman and she was like, "Wow, it's really big in there." And I was like, "Well, yeah, it has a slides." And she's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense."
2: Much different. It's basically That's, your old one the slide.
1: Yeah. Um, that's quite a lot of RV talk for the introduction to the show.
2: It's true. That will happen. Uh, especially,
1: uh, uh, you know what? Um, so I am talking with Zoya's sister about making mm-hmm. some more t-shirts and one of those t-shirts will say that will happen.
2: That will happen. <laughs> um, I, uh, I did work on the race car the other day. Um, and I have plans to work on the spec fit too. um, the the race car adjusted the downpipe, and did I tell you that I was like rubbing everything, pulling it into the trailer like it gets stuck? Um, no. Yeah, like in the downpipe. It was a it was a downhill angle. It was way too low. The V band would like catch on the hinge of the trailer. You're so and dumb. Like, like no, I'm not dumb. So this is let me tell you, I am kind of dumb. <laughs> um, so when we fabbed it up, I'm like, I mean, it's a little low. It's not that low. Why is your so, then, Why
1: is your car so low?
2: Because it's hot boy, dude. Hot boys are fun. Um,
1: <laughs> hot boys are dumb. Hot boys are dumb, dude. We got to be low, man.
2: And uh, But the downpipe wasn't... I'm like, this isn't how I... Did I bend it? And I'm staring at it on Sunday. And so out of the turbo, it starts to bend down. Then there's another V-band. And then it bends off to the side. And then there's another V-band. And so I'm like, oh, you know what I did? I bet you I got about... I bet, you I'm, I bet you I'm like one degree off on both of these things and it's aiming this thing at the ground, right? And loosen both V-bands up, yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> I just put it together poorly. <laughs> so uh, so now I've got all kinds of ground clearance. I didn't have to refab anything, and uh, I feel stupid. So mm-hmm. should be ready for Honda me on the bottom side of the car. I need to just wipe off a few things, clean a few things. Um, and uh, then I'm going to go through a few other things and change some uh, change some brake fluid out and maybe swap the trans fluid out because it's got a clutch type diff that was brand new two events ago so um but yeah car might be ready for Honda me I'm not sure might might put it on the dyno again and pull a little bit of fuel out uh, it's a little bit rich it's like high tens I want it to be I want it to be like mid mid low elevens but also might do that at Honda me I'm not sure
1: well so, just take the dyno to Honda me I could do that
2: um, Dino needs a little bit of, do you I think some... it might need, no, I think I just don't, I'm n- nervous about the trailer portion, having a car on it while it goes down the road. <laughs> <laughs> like it's built, it's built to do its job. It's not built to be a car trailer. I really got to like, just, I got to like pull the panels off and like stare at how everything's put together. I want to make sure it's not going to like hurt it because it's like a really nice Dino.
1: That's hilarious. Really nice I never trailer. really thought about that. Well, one, I never considered towing a car on the dyno trailer.
2: It was basically a flatbed trailer that's built around a dyno. One axle in front, one axle in the rear, right? Yeah. And like the dyno is the full width of it, right? Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot like connecting the front and the back. Like I think the dyno framework is part of this whole trailer assembly. And I want to make sure adding twenty two hundred more pounds to it spread across that thing isn't putting something I don't like it into like do you know what I mean? I don't like it. Like I don't want to put something into bending that shouldn't be in bending or into shear or into compression. Yeah. <laughs> so, name a force. I don't want to submit it to the Dino trailer unless I have to. So yeah. um she's a good unit, but uh, she's also expensive. So
1: yeah, for sure. I remember the Ten Tens guys saying though, uh, the air compressors on it need a little TLC. Did we get those updated?
2: No, I'm just gonna run. I'm gonna. I, we decided to just do a uh, external compressor. Those little twelve volt ones, when you run this thing back to back, like it's just they're, they're just not cut out for that life. And they, I think they both died uh, at Midwest Festival. And then when it cooled down, one when they cooled down, one would refire. And it was just, to, I mean, the thing takes like thirty minutes to air up the tank. The tank, like, is supposed to be operating in the 120 to 150 range. Mm-hmm. And it would take forever to get there.
1: Well, so, you're trying to inflate four tires when you're done, and that's a lot of air.
2: Well, inflating the tires isn't the other world. It's it's operating the air brake because there's, there's a big old truck drum brake, uh, like an air, air piston brake that actually slows the dyno down. And that's really the only thing you need pressure for. But that thing basically needs, like, I think it needs like over seventy psi to like hold itself open. Got it. So, um, so at, at uh, Ed Midwest Festival, they just they pillaged a couple of fittings off of off of the tire inflator hoses that like came with it, you know. And uh, they pulled one out and just put a male fitting on the air tank for the dyno, uh, to where basically you just plug a air compressor into it, and it's it's just another. It's just another air tank. The air compressor fills the tank and it's good to go. So Roger. Um, I think I'm gonna go, I think I'm gonna take the path of most repeatability and most fixability and just eliminate the onboard air and just carry like a pancake compressor or just get a quiet scroll type of compressor or something for it later.
1: Oh sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just keep it redundant and be able to fix it by just grabbing another compressor real quick. Oh sure, um, yeah. You know, you go to Home Depot, spend 150 bucks, and you're back in business. Or you, like, walk the paddock and grab Sinter's compressor. Or you plug it into the Trax air compressor, which right. we did at Festival.
1: Yeah. So,
2: um, but the dyno software update was great. Um, I spent most of the day on Wednesday doing Winpep 8 upgrade, um, which basically means you change the speed sensor on the dyno. Um, you wire that in. You rewire you wire the air brake in. And it's instead of... This one's like a, it's it's a it's basically a small computer that you wire into the dyno, and it's got like the button. It's got the RPM pickups, two different RPM pickup styles. It's got all kinds of attachments. You you can actually data log a bunch of aspects of the car if you want to like get crazy with it. Uh, it's got a bunch of analog inputs. You could analog input, you know, IAT or map pressure or whatever you know. Um, but for our purposes, we're just logging horsepower. So we need RPM and we need uh, wheel RPM of the dyno drum. So, um,
1: so, so it, it was a, very, I'm going to ask go, so. because I've never really um, uh, seen it. How does, uh, how does the dyno pick up RPM? Like what is, where does it receive so signal s- from? There's a
2: sensor on the passenger side of it. Um, there is, it's a little optical sensor. It's basically like, um there's there's a little fin that's on the drum and that's adjustable and the optical sensor has the fin pass between it and it's just like a little little like a little circuit board with two bolt holes on it that bolts No, I'm saying RPM chassis. from the engine. Oh, you pinch you like pinch uh a an RPM based wire. So, in some cars you can actually even get it off of a injector um and, but usually it's like a you know, you ever shot a? Have you ever shot a timing light at a at an engine? Sure. Yeah, it's the same thing as that. Huh. Yeah, you can pinch a spark plug wire. You can pinch uh, a coil plug wire. You just got to find the right one. Some cars you can pinch. You can just grab all the coil wires. Some of them you got to like isolate it and grab like the black one or whatever. I don't. Know. Um, every car is kind of different. We were also picking up. I think on some BMW, we actually grabbed an ignition signal from some wire, like in the chassis harness, like Charlie or somebody knew which wire it was. Um, But every car is kind of different. But the guys that are operating it at Midwest Festival was Adam from Tintest Podcast and uh, Adam Nielsen Mm -hmm. and his buddy Josh Fettis. And Josh runs, Josh literally runs a dyno all day long. That's what he does for a living. So Josh was pretty good at, figuring out how to hook up RPM signal gotcha. and you can run uh, the car without, without knowing car RPM signal. It's just, it doesn't give you torque. So uh, it'll give you the horsepower cause I don't know. I, I don't freaking know how the math works, but it'll give you the horsepower. And if you get the RPM signal, that'll give you the torque.
1: So. Yeah. It's, it's, I got that one. I'm, I'm good at yeah. that. Um, no, I know. I as, it's, it's, as it's we're just... having the conversation, I'm, I am listening, but I'm also scrolling LinkedIn. Um, mm. My, my, uh, my my perception of the universe has been altered because NADS is on LinkedIn. Uh, and also NADS is now a freelance creative director, copywriter at an, an organization called Team One. So congrats, oh, NADS. Good well, that's, for NADS. But like NADS is, NADS is a guy I see at the track and he's a guy that like is there to hang out and party. Like uh, some of the people we interact with, it's hard to, it's hard to place them back in the professional world, you know?
2: Did you, you know all the stories about NADS and Time Attack itself, right? Yeah. Yeah, NADS basically was the first one to be like, hey, we should do a Time Attack event in the U.S. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like our base rule set was probably written by NADS in 99.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Uh,
2: the one we started with in like 2014. So, um, Yeah, the... Uh, the dyno is pretty cool though. It's pretty simple. Uh, rewired it all, got the new hardware working and now all the hardware like gets unplugged from the dyno and put in a box to where it's not banging down the road.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great idea.
2: Yeah. It's, it needs to all be, it's still, it's only like, it's literally two plugs and you just wrap a bunch of wires. Uh, and then I just put it in the bus instead of like letting it bang down the road. I'm like virtually an unsprung trailer. So, Crazy. um, yeah, so I I still have the old stuff. Uh, if anybody needs a WinPEP seven dyno setup, <laughs> it is for sale. So uh, there's one on eBay right now. The old, like an old setup. There's one on eBay for like twelve hundred dollars. So it's probably worth some money.
1: This is like yeah. the first year that I feel like we really on on like the motorsport and track team side. I feel uh, like so much better equipped than I have in years past.
2: I feel so scattered, but
1: yeah. well, like we have a dyno, which is a big deal, and we own our own transponders, which are a mm-hmm. huge deal. And in terms of like investment huge. in motorsport hardware, that's a giant sum of money.
2: Yeah, it was like a house. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, the the transponders are so nice, though. They're not like we're not getting dead batteries, like. Everything on the 20-year-old rentals that we've been using for the last eight years, I mean, Greg was great to deal with. GP was the best. And we actually rented from GP from Midwest Festival. We're going to probably rent some from him for Colorado. Um, but, like, best company to deal with. I love that dude. But, like, those are old transponders. And shipping them back and forth across the country. Like, there was that one time a couple years ago, like, when the pandemic and the riots were happening and UPS was like screwing up everything. Yeah, I remember that story. And like I had to get to the event before I left for Spring Kickoff. Um I was crawling through a trailer in a UPS yard in the South Side of Chicago because they figured out what trailer it was in. And they were like, "We don't know what it'll look like." And I'm like, "I have to have this. Like I had I need these three boxes or I literally can't accomplish a giant race event, the first one of the year." Cause our last one got canceled because this thing called COVID happened. Yeah. And like, that was a, it was a nightmare scenario. And I'm so
1: surprised. I was, driving,
2: I was driving to the track with the generator and the generator turns out was out of coolant.
1: Oh, I remember that too.
2: And I pulled up and I'm, I've got the generator run because I have to charge these transponders because we have to hand them out in two hours and they need 14 hours of charging, but they've been charging for an hour and 45 minutes. And, and then my generator smoking and i I literally ran my generator without coolant for like three hours. (laughs) So crazy. It's a nightmare, dude. It's a terrible day. I'm I'm really
1: surprised UPS was just like, yeah, go look around.
2: Well, like I was, I was after them for three days. Like this is a three day project to get these transponders out of UPS. It was terrible, dude. It was terrible. That was no fun at all. Um, But we got to figure it out. And, but now for most of our events, we can operate and because we literally own the equipment and this stuff doesn't go down in value. So we kind of looked at it as like, well, we need to invest in these things at least because they're not going to be worth half of what they are uh, in five years. They're right. always kind of worth this. So, and the dyno was a great deal. So it was like, this is also like, it's probably always going to be worth this or more, you know? So it's not like we're throwing good money and just, just shooting it with a shotgun and, and then letting it fall into a field. You right. know, this is know. like this is like a real... These are real items that we got for decent prices. So yep. Yeah. But yeah, it was time to commit on transponders, and man, has it been nice just being like, uh, do, you, do you plug the transponders in? Because we own those, and we don't have to wait for the UPS. We don't have to ship them back, and it's the yeah. best.
1: Well, and I, I would imagine shipping transponders all over the country. Like, if your business is running transponders, shipping them... Uh, probably does eat into your profit margin considerably.
2: It it was a lot of money and they're always insured for like, we're always renting like the equivalent of like 60,000 bucks with transponders. So like all of that stuff adds up and it's just like, I don't know. It was, they broke even on rental basically. Yeah. Like, and these things will eventually pay themselves off and then we can either rent them for cheaper or they pay for the timing team, you know, like, yep. We're trying to give people a decent I actually I found out that we're renting them for half and third and one third of what other people rent these things for.
1: Price is going up, man.
2: I, I've heard the price is fifty-five and a hundred per weekend from two major sanctioning bodies. Yeah. So I feel better about what we rent ours for at least.
1: Well, like we are, I I do think in part we're positioned as like a somewhat budget conscious like organization. We know
2: it's expensive to do this, but
1: sure. But like, uh, we're, we're probably not the absolute cheapest track day you can do. Um, but there are a lot more, there are a lot more things happening on track. There's a lot more entertainment that's happening on any one given weekend, which is, I think to a lot of people worth something.
2: I think the biggest thing that we're selling is we're selling great competition and, good parody in classes that people want to do. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and if you look at the results sheets from Midwest Festival, like the the lap times were pretty freaking close.
1: Street class was separated, the the podium was separated by half a second. They were all in thirty six. I don't
2: even think it was a half a second, was it?
1: Yeah. I'm looking at it right now.
2: Dude, and we've had we've literally had the top ten or twelve in GLTC separated by like three tenths before in qualifying.
1: So wait, five. I'm, I'm looking at this um, club TR separated by nine tenths of a second on the podium uh, street class separated by uh, five tenths street GT separated by uh, 1.1 1. 1. street modified separated by 0. 0.7 Sunday Point cup-
2: seven and street mod. Those cars are all so different. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Sunday cup separated by uh, six tenths. Track modified separated by uh, one second, and unlimited separated by ten seconds.
2: <laughs> well, unlimited is very different.
1: <laughs> unlimited is very different. What's
2: GLTC? Do you have those numbers or not?
1: Uh, yeah, I can get them. In, a in
2: qual, I'm curious. Uh, I think qual was everybody was in the fr- in the same third of a second or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Let me check that quick.
2: Uh... And these are all drivers that are like trying really hard. And they've been trying hard for for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like even
2: like I can't believe how good street like street GT has gotten. Yeah, dude.
1: And for a long time, Kobe's records were uh, uh, not getting beaten. Yeah. Now Steve Luca
2: and them are crushing them.
1: Steve Luca and uh, Cody Hunt. Yeah. yeah. Um, doing really well. And it's it's nice to just see some new faces. I think. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. See qualifying. Uh, qualifying top three were separated by three tenths. That's stupid. Um, and
2: like the top 10 was in half a second. So super cool.
1: Yeah. So the top 10 cars were separated by 1.2.
2: Yeah. It was three tenths. And then like it was less than a second behind, uh, like from top three all the way back to 10 or something. Yeah. That's crazy. Really stupid close. On a track that wasn't very good. That weekend, no, not really. Now, the track, the Gingerman hasn't like grip wise. Gingerman has changed a lot since it was repaved, um, but it's always dusty. And this weekend, obviously, we had a lot going on, so there's always marbles, etc. Um, the track was not brilliant. Uh, it was hard to drive, but yeah, I did
1: I'm you really go out and drive it all track, at Midwest?
2: Uh, not in anger. I put I burned half a tank uh, picking up crap and being safe, safety car. Half, which is an impressive feat in how to fit half a tank is a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I think I went to town. I went to town one time to get it. So that was like, that was one trip back from, uh, from downtown. And, uh, I went to the hardware store on Wednesday to get some stuff to work on the dyno. And that was like one trip back. And then just running around the racetrack, I burned a full half a tank.
1: That's crazy. But, but
2: yeah. Good event. And yeah, we're still talking about it, but, um, I do have some suspension for my Honda Fit. Got some B spec coilovers. I'm excited to put on. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I'm probably gonna
2: probably gonna work on those before Autobahn and maybe do a couple of sessions at Autobahn.
1: So. Speaking of of coilovers, I saw um, the Gears and Gasoline guys got what looked to be a very uh, like uh, very current um, Fortune Auto coilover set for a fit for Luke. Yeah. Um, that includes some some camera adjustment. Mm-hmm. I've not like found it on their website, but I'm yeah, really it's, interested it's to like see what it is. Free
2: pro stuff. I think that was supposed to be my set, and then Swan left. Fortune. <laughs> Dang it! Our, our buddy Swan. I, I was gonna get like the next set built, and then uh, I think they did. So, yeah, that's fine. The good people. No, I'm really impressed with my 510s on my Civic. Every time I drive it, I'm like, these are great. And there's the adjustment does a lot. Like, I really like those coil. I was a Blackhawk. They were great. So, yeah. Um, I'm Back when you had your Evo, uh, you had a bunch of crazy fuel system stuff done to it, right? Yep. Yep. Did you have external surge tanks and stuff? I did, yep. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that route, maybe having a small in-tank and no baffling and stuff and get rid of all the fuel cell foam Uh, or maybe put metal baffling in or something because, uh, because I don't want to worry about something that like comes apart on itself like fuel cell foam. Sure. Um, and then maybe have that fill a fuel surge tank and then have the high pressure, you know, from that. But, um, yeah, I gotta start researching those options. That's something I'm gonna I'm gonna run the car at uh, Honda Meat as is. Um, right now I basically I took that ATL black box that I had, which is like a, a baffle sump in tank sump thing. Uh-huh. I took I took that out, put more fuel cell foam in, put the new fuel pump just hanging on basically a piece of aluminum so it's at the bottom of the tank, surrounded by fuel cell foam. And if it's fine at Honda Meat, then I know it was definitely the, the the in-tank fuel pump that was going bad, which I'm pretty sure was going bad. Yeah. Uh, when you push on it and it makes weird noises and the fuel pressure drops, like that's probably what it is.
1: But it makes sense.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of want to get the high pressure pump out of the tank though. Maybe do a surge tank, which is something that I've never really played with. So
1: I mean, it's, um, it's not a complicated more, system, right? No, it's more
2: crap to do, but you
1: know. yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd, I'd probably have to run more power wire, but they could both run off the same signal wire, just trip a relay. And, you know, um, I don't know. There's probably a good way to do it. I'll, I'll figure it out. But I thought I had recalled you having a big like radium or something. At the back yeah.
1: Um, all that stuff was really expensive. And at the time I like, uh, I'm not a good mechanic. I now know some good mechanics. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know any of them at the time. Dude, and, you had
2: so much money in that you
1: <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Um, but like uh, the at the time, the big challenge was for that car. We wanted it to run reliably uh, mm-hmm. on a true flex fuel setup. Right, and the car would run great um, on pump gas, and it could run great on E85. But like the 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 options um, to have the car do both uh, was quite a bit harder because like conventional wisdom on the Evo was just like, yeah, you put a giant freaking pump in and you hardwire it and like, uh, you know, on E85, you'll burn all the volume on the, the fuel and so you won't have like these weird uh, like pressure and volume problems. Mm-hmm. And so like, When, when we did that, um, car ran great on E85. When you put pump gas on, you had like crazy high fuel pressures because you're not using as much volume and you've got this gigantic pump like doing work. And because of that, you like had to, to adjust the fuel pressure regulator to like bleed off as much pressure as you possibly could in order to get the car to run on pump gas. But then when you get it to, uh running back again on E85 you like get into power and you lose all your fuel pressure because you're using all that volume.
2: It was like, that's, it's so wild. Did you, did you end up, what was the thing? Did you end up doing adjustable voltage or something? Uh, or?
1: Well, that is like, that's how the car is wired from the factory. There's like a high yeah. and a low. Um, no, what we did do was we just changed the the size of the return line, um, hmm. to be large enough to accommodate any amount of volume that needed to go in the return.
2: Right. So like you think theoretically the regulator should be able to hold this thing where it needs to go. Yeah.
1: And so as long as you have like in our case, the return line volume or diameter was too small for the amount of fuel that we wanted to pump through at like idle. And so yeah. uh, if you just make the line bigger, then you can let the regulator do its job.
2: Right. Especially if, if you have a good regulator with big port size and stuff.
1: Yeah. So that was like a dumb fix, um, but it ended yeah, up working.
2: A, you were like pretty early days with Evo Tent
1: Well, time. like I, I was uh, at the time, there wasn't a flex fuel option at all. Like we did. I had uh, my tuner give me like six maps and uh, I had a sensor in the car that could tell me what the mix was in the tank. And then we just had a, a, an access port that we just like flashed a tune on uh, for whatever mix we had.
2: You put like the closest map.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it was generally good enough because um, like if we were, you know, on the road driving to uh, the next track uh, during one lap, it would be like, okay, it's E55. I'll run the E50 map. We're not going to get into power anyway, so it doesn't matter. But like mm-hmm. we just wanted to idle and drive fine.
2: That's so bizarre.
1: Um, and then like after that, they had a, you know, a true flex fuel option and like the way we did things just kind of evolved with the times. Do you
2: ever figure out what happened to
1: that car? Uh, flood destroyed. Yeah,
2: it it, it was flooded. There was that car.
1: Yeah, destroyed.
2: Yeah. Do you, do you know if it got fixed or no? No,
1: nah, I mean, I don't know. I, I assume insurance took it.
2: That sucks.
1: I know. I, I did not expect the car to die that way. No. I really expected it to like burst into flames. Yeah. But I do know that the, the, the owner who bought it from me blew the engine three times. Oh
2: my gosh. No way. Way. Those are rods and pistons, like decently
1: built motor. Yeah. Yeah. And I had run the car on track. I mean, it was, it was stout.
2: Dude, when I, there was a, I drove it to Chicago and back or something, right? Yep. Um that car was so dialed.
1: Parts of it. And it anyways.
2: was well, it was it drove really well and it was really fast.
1: It was really fast. But like fast.
2: It, it wasn't blowy yuppy.
1: The um thinking back on it now, there were things about the turbo kit that I didn't like. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm not like an expert fabricator, but uh, having talked to the people at Borg Warner a bunch of times, one of the things that that particular turbo needed was a yeah. really free, like, direct path drain back to oh, yeah. the pan. And if you couldn't provide that, what you got was a whole lot of uh, smoke uh, coming yeah, out it, of the center section and blowing into the exhaust. And yeah, so it, and like, it would off. burn oil.
2: Yeah that's usually like a pretty imperceptible amount of oil, but it's a whole lot of smoke too. You know, you'll a quart of oil, it'll, it'll burn like you burned, uh, the, like a 55 gallon drum, you know, makes so much smoke when it boils off, you know? Yep.
1: Yep. Um, so like, it just
2: goes and goes.
1: Probably one of my bigger regrets in modifying that car in, in preparation for the event was there were turbos that were available that were like, stock frame that used the stock manifold and they may Ultra. have not had quite as much top end uh potential but right. like you just you you bolted on.
2: That thing was what like 500 of the wheels? Uh
1: on a jet, it was 520 when it was finished. Okay. Man, yeah, it was pretty fast. It was pretty fast. But I wasn't very fast because I wasn't driving uh like this was one of those examples where like the lap times were fine. It was it was the driving talent that was not very good.
2: Yeah. I mean, you left a lot on the table, but everybody back then was also leaving a lot on the table. Yeah.
1: Drivers are so much faster now. It's ridiculous.
2: It's, 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 it's almost not that they're not, they weren't fast back then. It's that they know they have to be faster now. Yeah. Because if you are out there and you're running, you know, one forties at Gingerman and you're the fastest, what's the motivation to run a one thirty eight? you know? Yeah. Some people, some people, it just happens. But there are a lot of people that have to work to get that 138. So if the, the, the example that
1: blows my mind is GLTC cars on street tires making less than 250 horsepower. were running 213s at NCM. Mm-hmm. What? Pretty fast. That's really fast. In any car, that's really fast.
2: Right. Yep. It's really fast. So. pretty dumb. There's, there's we're surrounded by a bunch of axe murderers. It makes me not want to even drive. <laughs> what are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do? Could be worse.
1: But like it, in some respects, I'm just kind of like I'm proud to see it, right? Like these, you know, like I am happy for a driver that like, you know, just threw down a banger, mm-hmm. like uh, Grant Davidson did a 38.9 in Club TR in his Integra. Really fast for
2: That's stock so K-series. fast
1: for a stock K series in an Integra.
2: Yep, real fast. I remember thinking that, that was an unattainable time seven years ago in a front wheel drive car on anything less than like Hoosier A7s, like 275s. That's so fast, it's so fast, It's so fast, dude. I remember the moment in when a street mod supercharged E 46 M three, um, Yonkers car ran a 39 and we were like, Oh my gosh. Street mod is sub 140." It's out of, it's
1: out of control. What is going on?
2: Yeah. And this is like 2016, you know, a long time ago. Right. But like, I remember thinking that was nuts and that ain't nuts anymore.
1: So (laughs) I I do know that, um, The street mod guys have been talking about it for some time. Um, Do you, I I, I don't think we'll see it in our current iteration of rules because the track just doesn't seem to be there. Like I don't think a 29 in street mod is going to happen in the foreseeable future.
2: I don't think it'll happen in an official event. You might need to find like the perfect day where it rains the night before and then it gets to be 90 degrees and the track is perfect, but the air temperature or like the sun comes out just right or something and the air temperature is 75 and like the, everything's perfect. Right. And you get a solo lap all to yourself. Uh, like I don't, I don't think that I think the track is so sensitive to temperature and it's so sensitive to dust. Yeah. Um, now, and if you, if now you I do at it, think
1: that if you put, 315s on a street mod car. Oh,
2: probably, yeah. Yeah. But if you like, you know, I spend a lot of time actually looking at the pavement at that track, um, especially after Taco Track day, I was, and, and like they were, they had, there was rocks and marbles all over because the, the grounds crew um, who do a great job, they like put this day, they put a bunch of asphalt shavings in like the dips on the inside of the apex. Which, like, in theory, would be fine. But, like, freaking Honda meet and grid life people, they catch those Apexes all the time, right? Yeah. And there was just asphalt crannies all over the track. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I got down on my hands and knees in, like, turn one. And you look at the offline versus the online. Same thing out in turn two, especially. Turn, turn three. You know, there's places in turn three where nobody ever goes, right? And you look at the asphalt on the far outside of turn three, and you look at on the line, and you can see the difference. You can feel the difference. In your feet, you can look at. It, it's just get, the track is getting polished. Like it's not. It's fine. It just is what it is. Yeah. Know? So um, yeah, the 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 exposed aggregate is just. It's a lot bigger and a lot smoother on the line. So just the track is very different now. But you don't have to have the perfect day. Temperature's got to be just right. I don't even know what the temperature would have to be. But, like, the track's got to be hot, but the air temp's got to be not that hot. And, um, yeah, I think that track bite comes in a lot more above, like, 80, but then 80 degrees there is usually 100% humidity, so power's down. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: So it's got to be that that perfect day where you get sun and it bakes it and then the humidity drops or something like that. So, anyway. Well, it's probably time for you to go to bed before you turn into a pumpkin
0: Yeah,
1: I'm I'm doing okay.
2: What time is it anyway?
1: 11:45. No, it's 11:50. Sorry.
2: Well, I feel like I'm turning into a pumpkin because, because I'm still bright orange from standing in the sun all day.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I bet you've got crispy skin, which is probably delicious.
2: Dude, I mean, extra crispy. I buttered myself this morning. Dude. I'm gonna <laughs> take a big old bite and go to bed with a full belly. Oh man. <laughs> It was a hard day, man. I did not enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, just the thought of, um, I, I love Autobahn and I do not know why it's so damn hot there every single year, but like the thought of going Maybe. to Autobahn and like melting. We've
2: had a, we've had nice weather there. It's just so rare.
1: I do not recall that.
2: We, so we've been going there since 2015. Um, so like we've been going there pre-ape, uh,
1: yeah, but only by one year.
2: Yeah, but still like we had I know we had one nice day. <laughs> somewhere in the somewhere Well, it did rain last year. Years, it was nice like right after the rain for four months.
1: Yeah, but uh that was also like as far as I remember, that was the only time where we had an extended like um people lost we, we like we lost track time.
2: That was the first time we actually lost sessions because we like literally couldn't operate the racetrack. That gutted me. Like, I hated that.
1: Um, And for, like, for, for anyone that wasn't there, it, it rained a lot. And the drainage off the racetrack was not awesome.
2: Well, the track has really good drainage. There was just so much water. They had never seen it like that. Never.
1: So uh, in Pit Inn, for example, a car would have had to drive through eight inches of water so to bad. get back to the paddock.
2: It was so. It was a river. and
1: uh, that happened at speed a couple of times before we were like, "Okay, no, no, no!" Like we're we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nuts. Because like was hard. the the amount that. of water that is displaced by a vehicle even driving thirty miles an hour when the water's that tall is uh, is a lot.
2: There was also some reason that we couldn't go super late because we were scheduled to go to like seven forty five, and I was like, "What if?" And, and this started happening. Like I think we had to cancel at like 4.45. So it was already like pretty late. Uh, and I was like, what if we go to nine? <laughs> so I was trying to like beg the workers to stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's like, uh, I was going to throw so much money at the problem money that we didn't have.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. This is something that is not real yet, but maybe just worth mentioning. Um you and I are talking about finding a way to bring back battles mm-hmm. in, in time attack. And we have a track that we uh, think would work. And uh, I, I don't think it will necessarily be what speed ring was, but it probably could be a lot of the things that we liked about speed ring.
2: Yeah. yeah um, I actually have another track in mind uh, as well. Interesting. But, yeah, they're, I, I do, I mean, you wanted to do them forever. And the only problem with doing that event, an event with those, is it's super hard to do anything else because they take up
1: so much time. Well, if you do I, I, yeah. I counter that point by saying they take up a lot of time because of how inclusive historically they have been. Yeah, if you bad limit bad. the
2: number of cars. If it was top five, top, eight, or top six, top eight, whatever, it would be very different. Yeah, we, we would do, at Speedway, we'd have like 70, 60, 70 cars. It would just take all day.
1: Yeah. So. And I I also say that we, having done them, having worked out a few of the processes at Road Atlanta a couple of years ago, um, like the, the, the top four, or excuse me, even the top eight cars happen real fast. If you have the yeah. drivers where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, it like, it goes.
2: Yeah, it can go very quick. Um, especially if we have the right track. A track that's not super big, that has good spectator sightlines, that people want to go to. I think it could be really cool. So, yeah, always always trying to think of what we're gonna do do differently. We've got other things in the pipeline that we were talking about before this call too. So
1: be on the lookout. New things. Uh new things.
2: We signed a track contract today with a different track we've never been to. So
1: very exciting. Yeah. And uh
2: I made tri- I made Trisha sign.
1: So. <laughs> Let's see what else. So we're not we're not talking specific uh, things yet, but we're working on a new rule set. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty excited about that. And yep. I am arguing heavily also for some adjustments and some tweaks in Time Attack. We'll see if I'm successful.
2: I know what I want, so you and I got to find our happy medium. So I think I've I think I've came to the idea of what I want.
1: So uh, for for anyone. Um, who thinks that we just kind of shoot from the hip. We, we this uh, since, since December. Yeah. We've been, we've been talking about this for quite a long time and it's right. um, it's a, it's a thoughtful process. And if somebody uh,
2: thinks we shoot from the hip. They don't, they've never talked to me about rules because this is like, it's literally my entire life.
1: Well, I would also argue that you and I uh, approach rules differently Um, and it is because we do that, that it seems to kind of work or or for, for how it works. It seems to work. Okay. Um, you, uh, actually mentioned this on the last podcast. You have the ability to, um, feel and, uh, you are largely driven, um, by how something feels and you want, you want the rules to match up with, uh, like, a vibe or whatever that you're trying to create. And I don't operate that way at, at all.
2: But I also like, I want parody. Sure. That's a hard, that's a hard dichotomy in the middle. Like hard, hard, like it's hard to split those things. Sure.
1: But like the way you and I tend to talk about things is you get to, um, you get to describe like the big picture, kind of what this looks like and then we get to talk about like okay well how do you achieve that
2: right the um and also like i think there's been a lot of classes out there that like had a lot of legs as far as parity could have been great rule sets um but nobody wanted to build a car for them and that's a (laughs) that's a giant problem in some rule sets um or like they're trying to catch cars that don't exist or they're too catch all. So nobody cares, you know, it doesn't have any, there's nothing special. Right. Um, whereas I think we're kind of, we're skirting a, uh, a balance in between like the cars people want to own cars, people already own cars, people like, like daydream. About owning, uh, and, uh, people that have, they have ambitions, but have no cars. Like we're finding a balance of like, there's maybe a rule set for all those people, but there's also not 20 rule sets.
1: Right. Well, and I, I mean, obviously Gingerman is one of our larger events and like the, on the time attack side, the the number of competitors that we have is, is basically set by the availability we have in the paddock, right? Like we would take more people to compete, uh, if we could accommodate them in space, but we can't.
2: Uh, you remember when we used to have like 150, 160 time attack cards?
1: Yeah, we because didn't have we GLTC just, then.
2: Yeah, um, and we we didn't we didn't have as many drift. We didn't have GLTC. We'd run long days.
1: Yeah. But like, I, I, there was
2: a time when we had time attack
1: F. There, like the I, I think it's really important, because I'm looking at the results sheet right now. Um, outside of unlimited, which is a real class, but like not. Not a class that's ever going to be filled with cars, what do you think is the number of cars that was our smallest class
2: i when I was doing awards, I think i I was doing mental math. I think there was one that was like nine
1: street Gt had twelve cars that was the smallest one yeah, wow,
2: and really nice.
1: I'll be honest, the competition was pretty good
2: pretty solid, yeah, Wow. I would not. I thought Street TT had nine.
1: So that's pretty
2: rad, actually. Uh, you know what Street TT would be like five cars.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, all the rest of the classes are big. Uh, in fact, the, the biggest class is Club TR. There's 26 cars.
2: That's so nuts. The class that like I we did most of the back end thought of that class. while I was I remember the job site I was on and you were I think you were between jobs or you're working from home. And I think we spent two hours on the phone and then I talked to Mikey, talked to a few other people, and then we talked again and I spent, we spent like half a day building like the the base of that class because we needed to build it ASAP. Uh, and I was on a ladder almost the entire time.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> so, like we kind of went through, I mean, I, we didn't, I didn't have really anything to do with, with naming because marketing is not the thing that I do. I think um, I made that. actually. But for the longest time, what we were thinking about was, like, the fact that our street class had, like, two different clusters of cars. And so there was, like, street light, which were small cars, small displacement vehicles, and, like, bigger turbo, higher power things. And mm -hmm. so for a long time, you and I were just referring to it as street Street light.
2: light and then chris was like but is it really street light and i'm like no it's a bunch of track rats and he's like track rats <laughs> i'm like yeah it's called like i don't know like club track rat like club tr or something <laughs> so, it's pretty rad name actually
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: i like it because it goes against everything that we had it was it's just like a totally different thing and now it's our biggest class so, yep yeah. i'm but um... it's, a, it's it's not a catch-all but it's literally like it's a catch all for pre-existing track rats that like track rat cars that cars, people wanted to build, but they're like low budget cars, stock motors, uh, but they don't fit any of our other rules very well. So,
1: well, and they don't fit the conventional model of time attack. And I think that the more you and I talk and discuss and argue, the more like the, the, the less pressure I feel to, to have our rule sets, uh, fit into a cookie cutter perception of what people think time attack is.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, time attack is whatever we want to make time attack to be. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling it now. Starting to, starting to go. So,
1: All right. Well, we're, um, we're into this one for uh, 57 minutes.
2: That's if, not a 10 10 podcast, but it's good enough for me.
1: <laughs> Best in class at being mediocre. That's us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> slaying it dude <laughs> um
1: if you like the show uh consider uh supporting the the, the patreon um all of the uh, extra vile not you know not for public release podcasts get sent there
2: i was uh, definitely about half drunk on that last one
1: yeah uh i might um, have been as well actually
2: the uh yeah i if anybody's got stuff they want to talk about but don't want to tell uh, Multi thousands, just a few. <laughs> let's uh, let's do it there. Let us know. <laughs>
1: and uh, we'd like to thank those guys at uh, Apex Pro. And uh, I believe we have a discount code if you buy an Apex Pro from them. I think you get ten percent, which is awesome. And
2: I really enjoy my little Apex Pro. Me that's too. Good cool little unit, dude. Not especially since you gave me the iPod, iPod Nano or whatever the thing is. Yeah, that's a good little way to do that, man. <laughs>
1: And, uh, also, uh, FCP Euro where all the parts you buy are guaranteed for life.
2: Is there a, uh, is there a cool read from our friends at fields before this?
1: There is. Thank you to the fields auto works crew as well. Also
2: Um, there, uh, Clayton and regular guy racing doing cool program, uh, basically scholarship for Hey, you want to, you want to do wheel to wheel for the first time? Tell them why. Uh, and, uh, really helps if uh if you're a uh, if you're a female because i think he wants his daughter to race someday so yeah.
1: maybe sloan will race someday we'll see is Emma going to race are you going to let her get in a car
2: oh i'd let her get in there i hope she wants to do it i hope racing exists that's kind of what we're trying to do is make it exist
1: in 20 years so i you know, and i think you and i, uh, I i'm going to push the conversation a little bit longer but it's fine um at amp i was up in the timing tower and I was next to race control and I was amazed at how much effort, like mental effort, is spent by three people in order to remain compliant for sound.
2: Unbelievable. Like
1: it, it's, it's essentially a full-time job for three people for a track day to keep an eye on cars that are blowing sound. Right. And like... Right. Uh, I realized that people will eye roll to say like, Ooh, racetrack loud, you know, no mufflers, blah. Um, I stepped out of the timing tower, which is on the third floor, mm-hmm. and I just stood on the in the stairwell and I was like, God damn these cars are loud.
2: Like so much louder up there too than it was next to the racetrack. Unbelievable. It's got and, like a six foot wall right in front
1: of it. And so. and so like it, for a minute it gave me pause and I was like Okay, like cars should be more quiet. That's we should fine. probably
2: put some mufflers on these things. I'm actually, um, I'm personally starting to. Uh, for the last couple of years, I've, we got a buddy that works at Catco, catalytic converter company. Okay, and uh, they sell aftermarket, and also they build a lot of, uh, a lot of production car catalytic converters. Um, and I am trying to get something going to uh, encourage cars that are only track cars to like put a high flow cat on too. Like it's a, it, one, it will make it a little quieter, but, um, but also like it will make it stink less and it will make it even ever so slightly better for the environment, especially if you're in a power to weight class. Like if you're in power to weight class, why don't you just leave a cat on, you know,
1: yep, yep.
2: Um, which a lot of our cars are power to weight classes. So.
1: so it's, it's a weird yeah. thing, right? Because we're trying to balance in, in a, a, a modern era where right. like it's got to
2: happen for 20 more years and it, it left their own devices. Car guys will wreck it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, like I'm, I'm the, 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 the modified diesel group is a, an, inter, an interesting example, right? Because um, this is probably not a particularly popular opinion, but I think DEF injection and SCR is amazing technology. I think well, the, yeah, ke- the chemistry the, that that is behind it, it and what it accomplishes is awesome. You know what's the, the awesome, bigger, you know you know what's not awesome about it? Well, the failure rates. The failure rate. It has to work yeah. perfectly. If it That's did work perfectly, problem.
2: no one would complain. And then when it breaks, you're going five miles an hour back to the dealer for two hours. Yeah.
1: So um, I remember that Alex Moss's car had been in the dealer, I think, for like six months this year, because um, on his, on his pickup, the, um, the deaf tank has a heater in it cause you know, they live in Wisconsin and, right. uh, the deaf will freeze at like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. It's, it's a pretty high freeze point. Really? Um, yeah. And, uh, if, if the vehicle can't get deaf, the system goes into like limp mode and then you're in big trouble. Well, right. apparently if those heaters fail, which they uh, do, um, you have a problem. And if no heaters are available and they're on back order, then you really have a problem. So yeah, unless it's you have an eighty thousand dollar paperweight that you cannot drive.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's the hard part for me. That's part of the reason I want to build my last truck, kind of, and like my current truck, like it's not real smoky or anything. It's an older technology, but it gets really good mileage. And I tried to hyper mile tune it and. Like that's, I mean, I guess in some ways that's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, a bit of a environmental approach to it. If you burn less fuel per mile, you're putting off less gases, but you'd, you'd uh, think that, yeah, but that that's but, not quite
1: true. But
2: so it's, it's, it's less, it's more true than somebody who's black smoke in it. Everywhere. But, well,
1: you've, so, and, and I'm not a, a world renowned expert on this, but um, my understanding, Uh, especially with the like VW diesel scandal is that in a diesel engine um, you have lean burn and you have like stoic burn. And uh, when you try to lean burn, uh, which is what you want for high fuel economy, you have to make way more knocks and knocks is bad. Um, And so like, that's why you need to do SCR and all these different things so yep. that you can accomplish lean burn without polluting as much as you can uh, with NOx. Like, if you ran rich all the time and you just blew out soot, uh, you wouldn't make as much NOx, but your fuel economy would not be good. Potentially, yeah.
2: To a, At a certain point, for sure. Especially with those with those engines, especially it was something with, like, cam and ignition timing, and, like, they could really make some mileage, but they would make some knocks too. Yeah, so... <laughs> But, but
1: like I, I think those emission systems are great. I just want them to work all the time.
2: Right. Yeah, they break a lot. Which sucks. And that stuff is like so like on your old Jeep, your T D your your diesel Jeep, like it would it cripples the car when it breaks. Like it's not like it throws it to a cercangela. Like it just makes it like not work as a
1: car. Yeah. And and there sucks. Like I feel like uh, Alex and I were talking a little bit about this. There needs to be like a some sort of bypass or something like that
2: um like get me home bypass yeah. yeah
1: or like you know this vehicle is to be serviced like a dealer can put it into a safe operation mode or something so that you can still use it while it's uh in need of repair but like
2: especially in like yeah in the days of onstar like the thing should be it should schedule your appointment for you tell you when you have to bring it in and let you drive home yeah. you know Like they still have to be cars, especially if Alex is a barber and he's got to tow the shit home.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point you just park it and you take it to a dealer there and you end up flying home, which is, which is not a good solution for anybody.
2: It's a terrible solution. These things are supposed to be reliable. So,
1: So. uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to sell off all my things and and buy a, (laughs) buy a battery something. Yeah. But like. I've, I've really spent some time thinking about this. Like a pure electric vehicle doesn't fit my lifestyle at all because like I still need to be able to drive to Heartland, uh, like, you know, at a, uh, at a moment's notice. Yeah. And,
2: if you're like, well, my flight got canceled. I have to be a PPIR in two days. Yep. guess I'll drive, you know? Like,
1: yep. And so yeah. like, the the plug-in hybrid or the Volt or whatever it is, like, is actually the perfect vehicle for a lot of us. It really does make a lot of us. sense. Especially,
2: especially if your is like, sub-50 miles, uh, which is most commutes. Um, but you have to take road trips once in a while. It makes tons of sense.
1: Yeah. And we probably take more road trips than most, even. So, like... Yeah, you really do. You guys, like, oh, we're going to New Orleans. Oh, we're going to Canada. <laughs> yeah.
2: Which is pretty rad. My I'm my advice to an anyone flashy. listening to the okay. show
1: is, uh, if you've if you the the U.S. Or excuse me, the Canadian Grand Prix is coming up, and it might uh, this episode will be released before the GP. If you're driving to the GP from the United States, keep two things in mind. Um, one, always keep your passports on you; don't leave them in the glove box. And no. two, uh, be aware that if your vehicle gets stolen, uh, you can drive back to the border if you lose your passports and get back into the United States if you still have your IDs.
2: Really? Um, you did that?
1: Yeah. Uh, Customs made fun of us for being so dumb. Um, but <laughs> they, they did let us back in. Uh, but But the, the other thing to keep in mind is that if you need to rent a car and you're in uh, Montreal, uh, Hertz, Enterprise, whatever, won't rent you a car that's registered in Canada. They will mm-hmm. only rent you a car that's registered in the United States, and you're taking it back for them.
2: Oh yeah. It makes
1: sense. Uh, but they also charge you a per mile rate. It was uh, $950 to come back to the United States. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And that I was, was like, is I, I, I try not to swear too much on the podcast these days, but I was thinking to myself and basically saying out loud, you motherfuckers, I'm doing, <laughs> me, I'm doing you a favor by bringing this car back to the States and you're Literally. charging me a per mile rate.
2: That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money
1: too. Uh, we we had the vehicle for like eighteen hours. We yeah. drove it back home and we returned it.
2: Sub one day. Yeah. Like less than twenty four hours, thousand bucks.
1: Correct. Yeah. Well, let's get home. Also, uh, because of that constraint, you're stuck with trying to find a vehicle in Montreal that needs to return to the United States right. uh, on an F one weekend. There aren't that many.
2: I would imagine that would be hard. Yeah. That's kind of a cool race. I want to go to that race someday. Um,
1: It is a really cool place. If I could have a grid life event at any place internationally, it would be there. Uh, Imagine if they did an F1 race in central park, but central park were an Island and there was a lake inside the Island. Pretty dope. A lake and a beach
2: looking at pictures. It's kind of amazing.
1: It is very cool. But like the sight lines for the actual race, suck
2: yeah yeah i would imagine you gotta build a lot of walls
1: there are a lot of walls yeah and the yep. only way you can see the race is if you're in a grandstand so
2: yeah uh, unlike
1: coda where um if you're like sitting anywhere in the grass you can see an awesome race
2: yeah yeah there's a good, lot of good sight lines at coda you can watch two three corners from a lot of different places yep so, although those races like i don't know it, it seems like it might be the spectacle might be cool in person, which I've never been to one, but like you definitely watch the race better. If you watch it.
1: <laughs> oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Way I,
2: more than football. You know? My
1: favorite thing. And I think I've said this on the show before. My favorite thing in, in all of formula one is watching the cars come through the S's in qualifying at Coda. Because yeah. if you're watching a race on TV, it is impossible to comprehend how fast the cars change direction. Like, yeah. because the camera zooms and it pans at the same time, like, mm-hmm. the, the speed of the cars is diminished right. on TV. And, like, I remember When, when you was the first s- year they went there? 2013? Something like that. It's been a while.
2: Yeah, I remember Chris went that first year or the second year. And he was like, you wouldn't believe how fast they changed directions.
1: <laughs> well, do, no, do you, like, remember playing with slot cars as a kid? Right. That's yeah. what they do. And... Yeah. Uh, when the cars go through the S's, think about like um, when time attack cars go through the S's, they tend to break and be off throttle as they, they they like slow down as they go through the S's. In an F1 car, it is flat. Right. Yeah. They're going fast faster well. and they're full throttle the whole time.
2: Absolutely bonkers.
1: And so the, the other thing that's really weird is that um, the curbing, when the tires go over the curbing, it makes like a, a rear weird, weird, like, um, yeah, like a rumbly noise, like if you're on the edge of the highway. And right. the crazy thing is that you're only like 100 yards or 200 yards away from the vehicles. But by the time the sound gets to your ears, the cars, the car's aren't near those places.
2: They're 40 feet ahead of it. <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> it's, wild. it's so nuts.
2: Yeah, that's wild, man. The, uh, uh, uh rob dom's uh four rotor turbo rx7 you know um at midwest festival and it was it was pretty cool seeing you could see the shock wave come off of the car when it like
1: when it, cut to when like when uh, he
2: shifted and stuff yeah. Yeah. it was very loud and, and it was like literally like a full second and a half before you like heard the pop it was pretty it, like there was a lot of cool little visceral things about that car just the the noises and the the movements of it but even though only made like half a dozen laps by itself, because I was worried that it would start on fire and safety crew would need to be able to run out.
1: You were reasonably worried or, or with good reason, I would say.
2: Yeah. He was actually wearing my shoes. Cause he didn't even bring shoes. Did I tell you that?
1: Yeah. And he was
2: wearing my fire shoes. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. but cool to see something like that in person. But yeah, the, the noise, like sound travels really slow.
1: So. Um, so uh, that was my 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 spiel for for F one. The the other thing that like any person, not just a gearhead, but like any person should see in person, is a top fuel event. Like oh yeah, NHRA, seen, yep. even if you Nuts. care about drag racing zero, a Nuts. top fuel event will blow your mind.
2: Blew my wife's mind. Yeah, and top fuel and funny car, like dude, especially if you get uh, if you can get down on the track like just behind or just in front of them unreal man we had we had skybox tickets to nhra national some shit whatnot at uh route 66 okay um and it was it was like it was almost more than you could take because you could like we had like all access passes and we're walking down you know you can walk kind of down and behind choking on and, nitromethane, methane uh, dude it, it, ch- it kills your throat but like the noise like when it goes like your world blurs it's so crazy yeah it's so bizarre really really cool
1: yeah so if if you're if you're listening to the show and you've never been to a top fuel event just just buy a ticket like you, you should just go
2: you got to see that once in your life, once or twice in your life so. um
1: i'm trying to think are there any other motor motorsports related things that like a person just must do My cousin
2: says that monster jam is the coolest thing in the whole world. Never been does look pretty cool though.
1: The other, the other one that's on my list is I would really like to go to Goodwood, but more than that, I would really, really like to go to the Isle of Man TT.
2: The, the thing that just popped in my head and I, we were doing a podcast back in the day when I did this, um, is a full on redneck mud bog. Ooh. Um, this thing was this, this mud bog in Michigan that I went to, um, we had to like climb, had to be out by silver Lake. No, it was down by grand Rapids. Actually. Oh, interesting. Um, and my wife's cousin is a, like a huge realtor down there. He knows everybody. And he's like, yeah, my friend's property, they're having a mud bog. And I'm like a mud bog. This is about five years ago. And my in-laws were up there also. So they stayed back at the lake house, watching the baby. And was probably three at the time or something too. And we went to a mud bog and I had no idea what a mud bog was. And they like flood a lowland, And like some of the mud was like six feet deep and it's these giant trucks. Most of them have like tractor tires on them and they got like blown big blocks and whatever. Some of them were like, you know, old Toyota Tacomas, like uh, anything and everything. They're all home built, some crazy stuff and they're trying to make it from one side to the other. And, And then they literally have to like chain something else to it and drag them back out with a giant tractor. Like it's the whole thing was nuts. And everybody around there was 2000, 3000 people at this mud bog and everyone was drunker than the next person, except for us. And that was the way to watch a mud bog (laughs) (laughs) be the only sober person. (laughs) It was, it was totally crazy. Uh, we came late, so the, there was nobody watching the gate anymore. And he's like, well, I'll just text Jim. I'll tell him I'll pay him later. We like had to climb through a electrified fence uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, to get in. It was crazy. Like Everything about it was nuts. <laughs> it yeah. was the best. Yeah, mud bugs are cool. Go to a mud bug.
1: Well, I, I feel like you and I are kind of like junkies at this point where like even if Midwest is a crazy event, um, you do enough of them, and you're like, yeah, you know seem like a midwest to just, me. just another uh just another weekend at the track
2: next year is my 10th midwest festival so. dang so yeah 14 15
1: 16
2: 17 18 that's 19 crazy. 20, 21 22 23 bear 10th festival man yep. a lot of them but anyway all right well I'm gonna head to bed
1: all right, well I'm gonna you do so too I' gonna export this and then work on the edit tomorrow and uh, hopefully have a show for people by tomorrow night we'll see
2: party on Wayne. I really appreciate uh, I did another show today uh, I was promoting Real life on another show and I really appreciate the slip angle listeners because they come up and say hey and there's a lot of them and uh, I've said hey to you guys all around the country and it warms my heart so I'm glad you're here right on talk
1: bye to bye you later bye. everybody
2: all right, see you. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubey, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits grid Live to say hello.